Welcome to a French special of the Sofa Football Podcast. Blanc takes his set pieces from Bordeaux to Paris as PSG scored three times from a corner to beat Olympiacos 4-1 in the Champions League. Eber says give me more money, putting pen to paper on a new £12 million contract and how good a Swansea beating the 2003-04 La Liga champions 3-0 in the infamous Mestalla. All that plus a look forward to Moutinho versus Lucas, Cavani versus Falcao, PSG versus Monaco and the Moneybags derby of Ligue 1 due to commence this Sunday. And is Paul Pogba Man United's biggest ever mistake. A bucket load to discuss with French football journalist Julien Laurence. So let's start with the Champions League and PSG travelled to Olympiacos on Tuesday night. A 4-1 victory, Cavani, Motta and Marquinhos with the goals. What what conclusions did you draw from that game? It's quite interesting because they, they struggled in the first half. They were they were put under a lot of pressure by Olympiacos, who played quite high on the pitch, and PSG was was far too deep, especially Marquinhos. But you know, it's his, it was his first tie, his first game, his first Champions League game as well. And I think there was probably a lot of apprehension on his behalf, and he he, he tended to play too deep, and and that that was a problem for the team. And in the second half, it was much better. Lavezzi came on for Lucas, who had a slight injury, but Lavezzi brought a lot offensively you know when he came on and the team plays much higher on the pitch and, and and threatened much more and you know they scored three goals out of the four goals on set pieces which was Laurent Blanc's asset when he was at Bordeaux in the three years he spent at Bordeaux uh, 70% of their goals scored were on set pieces it was incredible every time every weekend they were scoring on set pieces and everything and and we saw some of that uh, on, on um, in the Champions League this week with PSG you know there would be a massive threat on set pieces this season because that that's what Block is good at as well. Mm-hmm. How far can PSG go? They've got Benfica next, which I suppose will be the biggest test of the group yeah. with Anderlecht in there as well. Um, I mean, they they pushed Barcelona quite far last season, but what what are their realistic expectations for this season? Yeah, you're right. Last season was a great run in the Champions League. I don't think anyone expected them to do that well that mm-hmm. early. Uh, and obviously this season, the ambition is... Is, is probably even bigger and the expectations are bigger as well, which is doing at least as, as well as last season, which is the quarterfinals and, and maybe with a bit of luck in the draw and, and the experience that they gained from last season go, going one step further and reach maybe the semi-finals. You know, I think when you get to the, to the quarterfinal stage, anything can happen with anyone. We saw it last season with Barcelona being hammered by Bayern Munich mm-hmm. and, you know, and all of that. So I think, you know, it, they will qualify for the last 16. There's no, that about that probably them and Benfica, and then if you get if you get quite a good draw in the in the last sixteen, then you know it's it's yours to dream of a good run, very good run in the Champions League, and I think they've got the players at the moment to do well, and if needed, they will have the money to strengthen the squad in January as well. So I think they can be quite hopeful. I think the fans are really hopeful as well, and and it'll be very interesting to see how how much they've improved compared to last season. Mm-hmm. You know and. And, and so far, the game in Olympia could show that they're going to be solid. They're going to be very good going forward. Uh, and, and if you bring Cavani gel a bit more together, then they, they can be very good. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Ibrahimovic there. He missed a penalty on Tuesday. Yeah. He's reportedly signed a new one-year contract yeah. with £12 million after tax, yeah. um, although his agent denies that nothing is done yet. Uh, can you reveal any more about this deal? Yeah, yeah, we, we were told that he had signed. Well, that he hasn't properly signed yet because they they played on 
in midweek and then they play again that, that big game against Monaco on Sunday so it's not really the time to sign a new contract but everything has been agreed uh, with a little pay rise which you know he, already, he was already a massive amount of money <laughs> just a little bit more Thiago Silva signed a, a contract extension earlier in the summer with a, a little bit more money as well so that's that's what they're doing and I think they're right to keep Ibrahimovic, who's, who was that marquee signing, the, the first big, big name to come, and, and he's done amazingly well at the club, and I think it's just a, a right reward for him, and and I think that's what he wanted, that's why his family wanted to stay in Paris, and, and the club wanted to keep him up as well, so it's, it's good for everybody. Do you think that will be his last contract extension with the club? Ah... Uh, He's not getting younger, that's for sure. Uh, he still has a few good years, I think, ahead of him. You know, he's going to be 32. And um, uh, you never know. Maybe another one-year contract at some point, and then he probably will finish either back in Sweden or, or in a club in Italy, you know, like mm-hmm. Juventus. And then they offered him, like, a, an ambassador role or whatever, something like that. But it, it all depends. If You know, if they win titles, if he keeps winning the league here, maybe, you know, double with the cup, and who knows, reach a Champions League semi-final, Champions League final maybe, or, or if he feels that in the next three years he can win it with PSG, then I think he would stay. And, and it's the only thing that's missing, on you know, it's the only trophy, trophy that's missing yeah. for Ibrahim to win the Champions League. So um, so if he sees that, he, he would have the opportunity to do it with PSG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he would stay for sure, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, moving on to Wednesday night, Marseille um, played Arsenal, lost 2-1 um, in what has been dubbed the group of death, which yeah. I paid close attention to because I'm an Arsenal fan. What what conclusions did you draw from that game? And Marseille, they're deemed as the weaker of the of the four teams in that group. Can can they get out of it? I mean, they beat Dortmund a couple of seasons ago to go through to the knockout stages. Could they do it again? No, I don't think so. No? I don't think so. And I'm not saying that because I'm a PhD fan and, and <laughs> like Marseille with a lot of passion. But to be objective, it's definitely too strong for them. You know, even if it's not Dortmund this time, it would be Napoli. And, and they did it two years ago by beating Dortmund, but Olympiacos were the other team in the group. You know, it was nowhere mm-hmm. near as tough as group as, as this one is. And, and you saw the Napoli game against Borussia Dortmund, which was an amazing game with two great teams and... And even at 10 against 11, Dortmund almost snatched a draw and Marseille can't compete with those teams. They no. can't compete with, with Arsenal either. They, they were not bad on the night on, on Wednesday, but they lack experience clearly. They were naive at the back. They were not efficient enough up front, which, which is the difference between a great club like Arsenal or Dortmund or Napoli and a very good club like Marseille. You know, the, how many times after a Champions League game like that between one very, very good team and, and another team a bit, you know, a, a bit weaker, you hear the comments of like, oh, they've got regrets, oh, if only they had scored one of the chances. It yeah. happens every week. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's exactly the difference between big, big clubs and, and good clubs only. You know, it's that kind of scoring when you can, when you've got the opportunity and, and make sure you're solid at the back. And, you know, it was the problem for Marseille. Mm, well, like you said, they, they've got Bush Dortmund next and you just feel a bit for how it's going to turn out for them. Um, but Matthew Valbuena certainly shined, I thought, against yeah. Arsenal. And I, I think if, if Arsenal certainly hadn't got Meza so I think Valbuena would have been a player that they, they should have maybe gone after. He's certainly one of their brightest sparks in the team. Ali Boop, um, yeah. he said Giroud has always been appreciated in France. Is, yeah. is that true? And what's happened to his reputation since since he's gone to Arsenal? 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. You know, it's one of those like fairy tale story, if you want, a bit like like Ribéry and Valbuena, those those players who never went to a, an academy. You know, you've got the the kind of usual way to, to be a professional, which is, you know, spend five years in, in the academy of your club when you're young and then make your debut for the first team at 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20, whatever. And uh, and then moving on from there. But those players, Ribéry, Valbuena, Giroud, never did that so they had to go through lower leagues and and for Giroud for example playing the second division even the third division and then finally making it in the second division where he was top scorer then moving to Montpellier in the top flight in France and then finishing top scorer then winning the league as well and then moving on to uh, to Arsenal a bit like Laurent Koscielny did you know they're, mm-hmm. they're very similar path up to the to where they are now and and that's what people like him because he's not like the other players, you know, those those kind of bling bling kids who went through the academy and and had all that money very young and, mm-hmm. and all that success very young as well. And and Giroud is different, and, and that's why people like him. And since he joined Arsenal, Arsenal is the you know we, we tend to say that he's, he's on, Arsenal is almost a French club, mm-hmm. say in France. And uh, and and obviously him joining Arsenal and Wenger and everybody else. Give him gave him a lot of credit in France, and and people keep watching him over there and. and and, and you know there's that sense of he's liked even more since he joined Arsenal than when he was at Montpellier. Before. I remember after France won the '98 World Cup, somebody said um, Arsenal have won the World Cup because they had this such uh, strong affiliation with the yeah. uh, with the national side. Um, will Giroud be the leading striker going into the next World Cup? That's a tough one because because Karim Benzema is there mm. as well and. Uh, and they're two very different players. They're two very talented players. But Benzema, he's seen in France as a more talented player than than Olivier, and which is a bit harsh. I think I'm a big fan of Giroud. I think he's he's got everything, everything to you know to be a top top striker. Mm-hmm. But Deschamps playing only with one of front, there's there's clearly only room for one of them. And yep. and and it'd be interesting to see what he does because Benzema, you know, hasn't scored now for. 1,217 minutes for the national team, which is around 20 hours, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And he was finally dropped in Belarus uh, 10 days ago now. Um, and and Giroud played and was really good in Belarus. And, and it's been interesting to see now what happens if, if Deschamps keeps Giroud on or you know if he gives another chance to Benzema and then that will probably lead like that to the World Cup. So it'll be re- interesting to see what France do up front in the next few games. Fantastic. Um, now on to the Europa League. Um, we'll get to Bordeaux and Lyon in a little bit, but I was wondering what your thoughts on Swansea beating Valencia 3-0 were. Uh, I've got a fact here that in 2003-04, and Valencia won La Liga, and yeah. Swansea finished 10th in the English 3rd Division. So what did what did you take from that game? I mean, Swansea were pretty impressive. Uh, Boney, Michu, De Guzman with the goals. They're certainly a talented team. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it was it was a big help for them that Rami got sent off mm-hmm. so early on in the game as well. You know, because at eleven against ten, it's not the same. It's not the same momentum. It's not the same dynamic in the game and everything. But they did so well, and they, you know, especially away from home. You know, they play great football, especially at home. We saw against Liverpool on Monday, but. Away from home, remember Arsenal last season. They've got a capacity of playing an amazing counter-attacking football, and which, which again yesterday was the bony goal is, is is a great counter-attack. Even the Michu goal, and 
and it's, it's just a brilliant team, you know, capable mm-hmm. of playing a bit like the tiki-taka football at home, but then playing incredibly well away from home and counter-attack. And, and I think, you know, they, I don't think they can win the Europa League, but they can definitely have a very, very good run at it. And, and it was great to see them at Valencia. And, and you're right, your start is, is stunning and it shows you how much a football club needs to be run well. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Swansea is doing and I've been doing. And that's exactly what Valencia hasn't been doing. Because in 10 years, going from winning the Liga to being uh, in the debts of like around 300 million euros and having to lose all your best players year in after year out. And, you know, Mata, Silva, Oscar, uh, sorry, uh, Isco, Soldado, all those players, mm-hmm. you know, having to sell them because your bloody chairman was not good enough to run the, the, the club properly. It must be devastating for the fans and, and it's exactly the prime example of what you have to do and not to do in, in football if you're like a, a chairman or an owner or whatever. Yeah. I think somebody um, tweeted us the other day saying by that stat, Crawley Town should beat Barcelona in a few years' time, which I don't <laughs> think is going to happen. Moving on now to to the French clubs, Lyon drew 0-0 away to Real Betis, which yeah. was not a bad result being that Betis beat Valencia at the weekend 3-1. Yeah. Um, what, what's, what's the mood around Lyon being that they failed to qualify for the Champions League uh, Losing to Real Sociedad, but how how are they approaching the Europa League now, Leon? Well, they, you know, this I think I think it was a massive blow for them not to qualify for the for the Champions League. They, when the draw was made, I remember them being quite optimistic and you know clearly underestimated Real Sociedad. Like if they like almost like if they hadn't watched them last season where they were amazing in the mm-hmm. Liga and, and clearly a better team than Lyon. And you know we saw it over the two games where they just hammered them. At home and away as well, and uh, and now it's just like well, I don't think they wanted to be in the Europa League because it's really tiring to play Thursdays and Sundays and Thursdays and Sundays, and it's obviously not the same glamorous competition in the Champions League. But I think they will give it a go. Definitely, we saw yesterday with a very strong team away at Betis, and and I think Remy Gard sees it as a way to um, to gain more confidence. It's a good experience for the kids at the club, you know. And, and you know now that Lyon is relying a lot on the kids from the academy and mm-hmm. you know they've sold the best players and now clearly the, the policy of the club is to to bring through those kids from the academy and and give them a chance which is which is good i don't think it's enough and we see we've seen him last night against Betis where they, sh- they should have lost the game to be fair and in the league as well recently with some poor results but again that's what they've chosen you know they they need to make some some cuts financially because they, they they don't have enough money. So fair enough, and it'd be really interesting to see you know players like Grenier, um, like Conalon, mm-hmm. you know who are young, promising players to see how they can cope in a team where they have to be the leaders and yeah. they don't have more experienced players to to rely on. So um, yeah, it'd be very interesting. That I mean, they play not at home on Sunday, which is a game they have to win. Uh, otherwise, it'd be a crisis. So it'd be interesting to see that as well. And what's the sort of French press, French public view towards the Europa League? Because I know in England it's sort of met with a bit of derision. And uh, is it any different in France? It is a bit. It is a bit in a way that, you know, we it's, 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 it's completely different for the English people where you've, you've been so used to have your teams winning the Champions League, mm-hmm. being in the final of the Champions Leagues and, and, all, and the semi-finals and all of that. Whereas in France, it's really rare for us to do well in the Champions League, you know, 
before the new PSG and Monaco era. So we, we used to take the Europa League and the UFA Cup so proudly because it was probably the best chance we had to do well in Europe. Yeah. So like the clubs were like happy to do, you know, to, 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 to compete in it. The fans were happy to go to the stadium. And it's the same now. I mean, for Bordeaux, it was a bit different last night because they started so badly in the league that the manager had to rotate the squad to to make sure that the key players were rested for the weekend in the league because they can't afford not to win again uh, this weekend. So it was a bit different. But other than that, you know, Bordeaux take it very seriously. Lyon, again, like I said, you know, uh, Phil did a very strong team last night, so they take it seriously too. And it's just, I think the difference is only that because we we not used to do well in Europe, that's our that's our chance to do well in the Europa League because it's a weaker competition than the Champions League. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Bordeaux there; they lost three 0 to Eintracht Frankfurt, who aren't doing so well themselves in the Bundesliga. Anyway, at the weekend, league on again. Uh, well, standout fixture has to be PSG Monaco, and yeah. for once, it it feels like the whole of Europe is talking about a big French fixture which isn't meant to mean any offence or disrespect, but it certainly feels like there's more momentum gathering around League One. Um, how, how do you preview the game? Oh, it's a fascinating one, I think. And, and I'm, I swear to you, I'm trying to be objective there. <laughs> I just think anyone, anyone should find it fascinating. Not, you know, because because it's Cavani against Falcao, because it's Ibrahimovic against Moutinho, because it's Blanc against Ranieri. Because it's two massive, you know, money spenders clubs who, who will, you know, who you can uh, think that could potentially rule Europe in the next three years or four years or five years. You know, I, I don't think it's stupid to say that maybe in four years' time you could have a Champions League final between PSG and Monaco. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if they keep spending money like that, if they keep building the way they are, you can definitely see them both in the Champions League final. You know. It, it could definitely happen at some point. So I think it's fascinating. You know, it's at the Parc des Princes. The atmosphere would be amazing. By the way, the game is live on, on BT Sport on Sunday. But it's just going to be incredible, I think, to see, yeah, to see Falcao and Cavani playing in the French League against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, four or five years ago, no one no one would have dreamed, dreamed that to, to see that happening. So... Uh, so I think it's yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. There's there's two, <laughs> two, two days to go, and I'm just so excited about it. It's going to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. I've certainly started watching PSG more this season because mainly because of Cavani. Because I, I follow Serie A quite closely, and I, even though he might have gone to Manchester City, I still wanted him to come to the Premier League because of the play of the yeah. But being that he went to France, I have started watching more. Monaco, I mean, the top of the league, um, what is it now? Is it, is it 13 points? Yeah, 13 points from five games. Um, is that ahead of their schedule? Did they expect to make this sort of start? Is, is this part of his plan to, to challenge the league on this season? Yeah, well, definitely. The ambition was at least the top three finish. And, and if they could have had a go at, at you know, competing for the title, then then so be it. And, and I think that's exactly what's happening. I don't think people expected them to beat Marseille away mm-hmm. so early in the season because, you know, it was week four. It was a massive game. It was away. They were one nil down at half time, And then they came back in the second half and were superb. And, and you know, won the game 2-1. Falcao was called a, the Falcao goal where he was just there in the six-yard box <laughs> and just had a tap-in. And, and Moutinho was brilliant in the second half. Riviere, who's been there, you know, the superhero so far this season as well with five goals has been brilliant and, and scored the winner against Marseille. And I don't, I don't think people expected them to gel so quickly. 
you mm-hmm. know, because they had so many new players and and 80% of the team has changed compared to last season. But, but it's working. You know, Ranieri is doing a fantastic... Whether you like Ranieri or not, he's doing a great job at the moment over there. He's still under pressure because if he doesn't win for three games, then, you know, he might get the sack. But still, you know, he's doing a great job. Like I said, Falcao is delivering so far four goals. Uh, Rivia is the surprise of the season with five goals. Moutinho didn't didn't start the season because he was injured, but then in the last few games was was brilliant. And you still have James Rodriguez who hasn't played much, or Campos and Ferrara Carrasco who are young, very promising players who are coming through, getting more and more confident and everything. So it's just really good. And, and from the start, I said that they could compete with PSG. I have got no doubts about that. That in, in a few months' time, it'd be them and PSG well above everybody everybody else in the, in the table and competing with each other for winning the league. So Sunday is a big game. It's, it's a bit early to say it's a title decider, mm. but if Monaco wins it, they're five points ahead and, and it's a different story then. And, mm-hmm. and I think they fancy their chance for sure. You mentioned there that Monaco have brought in a lot of players. Ranieri said that PSG are more of a team than Monaco. What do yeah. you mean by that? And, and do you think he's right? Yeah, I think he's right. Simply because... because this PSG squad, you know, apart from Marquinhos and, and Cavani and, and Lucas Ding in 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 a, in a smaller respect, but everybody else has been together for at least a year and some of them 18 months, which, mm-hmm. which is a hell of a time in football, you know, to to know each other, to, to learn how to play with each other, to, to, to form a proper team spirit, to build something. Whereas Monaco, everybody arrived in the summer, you know, Falcao, Moutinho, Abidal, Carvalho, Condogbia, even even later, Toulalon, Rodriguez, all of that. And, you know, they need some time to, to to know each other even better than they, they do at the moment. And and they're not a team. They, they've been playing really well, but they're not a team. And, mm-hmm. and you can see there and there in a game where, as a unit, collectively, they're not as strong as other teams could be when that have been used to play together for, for a longer time. So I think Ranieri is right. And, and he was aware as well to, to put more pressure on PSG by saying, well, you're the established team there. You're the champions. You know, you've been playing with each other for a long time. And we are just the newcomers. You know, we've, we've changed 80% of the, of, the, of the starting 11. So don't talk about us, talk about them. And I think it was quite clever for him to put it that way, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will be youth on show as well as... Uh big summer signings. I mean, you mentioned uh, Os Campos and there's Karakzao and Kozawa for Monaco and yes. Hervin on gender has also come through for PSG this season, which has been a bit of a surprise. Um, he, I saw him at the next-gen competition. Um, do you think PSG will promote any more from within this season? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's definitely the idea. When, when the, the Qatar owners arrived, one of the, the lines they said was like, they want. They said we want to find the next Messi right. and develop him. I don't know if you remember it, but it, and which was a great line. You know, money is good. Money is brilliant. You can you can buy anyone you want almost, and and it's brilliant. And they they will make you win games. But but the best is probably to to have a very strong academy. You know, and and to to produce players who will become great players. And I think Ongonda is is very talented. There's no doubt about that. I think Rabio is a fantastic prospect. And I can see him developing as a very, very good midfielder. And and Lucas Ding, despite not, not you know, not not being a producer of the PSG Academy, you know, he's a bit like that. And and I think that we 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 will see more and more of that. However, and we've seen at Chelsea, for example, it's not easy to have a strong academy. You know, you can bring a lot of very good coaches, a lot of very good young players 
from your country and from abroad as well doesn't mean that your academy would be good look, again look at Chelsea mm -hmm. you know they they put so much money into their academy and, and everything you could imagine in and, and still they, they're not producing any players so mm -hmm. um, it's a long process it's, it's hard work and long process but that's definitely the, the way forward uh, at least what they want to achieve yeah before I ask you prediction finally um, staying on the subject of youth I mean I watch France more than anybody at the under 20 World Cup and <laughs> they were so superior to any other side in terms yeah. of almost physical stature, the Zuma and Pogba and yeah. Sonogo um, and you had Talvin and uh, Barnbeck on the wings. Yeah. How far do you think that France side can go in the future? I mean it's early days I know but they were so good. I know. I mean, yeah, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big fan of not just because it's France, but I watch a lot of youth tournament like you and and youth teams, and and I I think there's no doubt at all that those some of those players will go really far. I mean, you know, Paul Pogba is starting all the games with Juventus this season mm -hmm. and, and has been amazing, and he's clearly clearly entered a new dimension. I think Kondogbia is a great talent, and he will show it with Monaco. Tovan, I've got some doubts about Tovan just because I'm not sure the. Is that because of his attitude? Yeah, the mental. I'm not sure the mentality is there. I'm not sure he's, he's intelligent enough in his position to get to the next level. I think Pogba and Dogbia know that. I think Zuma, uh, again with Zuma, he's got the potential to be amazing. He also has the potential to be the next Mamadou Sako, who is a player that everybody raved about when he was 17. He captained PSG at 17 and then and then stopped improving. And mm -hmm. I hope that his move to Liverpool will help him to, to get back to some sort of improvement because he's got an amazing potential that he's he, that he's not fulfilled at the moment so Zuma is the same but I, I think you're right I mean Lemina in midfield I think he's a great prospect Sanogo is fantastic up front and none of that so I can see a great future for them I think the Euros 2016 will come a bit too early for for most of them I think Pogba would shine at that Euro no doubt about that at all Konogbia uh, might be a little bit too early, but we're clearly going after that, you know, 2018, 2020 mm -hmm. and 2022, I think they've got the potential to, to be very, very solid, very strong, yeah. Do you think down the line Pogba could be one of Man United's biggest ever mistakes? I mean... Oh, I think it is the, the biggest ever mistake. With him... There's, yeah, yeah. No doubt. With him, Pirlo uh, and Vidal, I think Juventus have got arguably top two, three midfield trio in the world. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Fantastic! I think and Man United will regret it. Marquisio on the bench, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yeah, you know, you're right. I, I, I don't know. I, I remember seeing Pogba when he was 15, and and everybody was raving about him in France. Everybody, you know, it's a bit like Sanogo. Everybody knew they were the next big thing, and and he decided to go to United really young. You were not, you know, we we all questioned his choice, and it could have been a disaster. You know, mm -hmm. it could have been, it could have been really. Everything could have gone wrong, and he was really. I think he was really lucky enough to bounce back at, at Juventus, and and it was clearly the best club for him to go to. And and so far, it's working really well for him, and and I hope that Sanogo just just to talk quickly about him. I, th I think I, I hope Sanogo, will, you know, will, his move to Arsenal will have the same impact. But but yeah, I think Pogba. And, and imagine training every day with 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 PLO and. And Vidal and Marquisio and, and having Conte as a manager mm. as well it must be fantastic when you're 19, 20. And, 
And I think when he got there, he had a few attitude problems, exactly like he had at United. That's why Ferguson grew, grew so much frustrated with him because of all these attitude problems and everything. And, and now he's... I saw him with France after the Georgia game and he was so mature and so driven mentally as well that he was a completely different man that I'd seen a year before mm-hmm. with Juventus or even two years before at United. And he's improved so much as a player but as a man as well that... I think it's going to be amazing in the few years to come. To end, let's get a prediction on Monaco v PSG at the weekend and maybe for the season ahead. So I don't want any sitting on the fence as the pundits usually do. What do you think is going to happen? I think I think we're going to see goals. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be an open game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I will go for a 2-1 win PSG. I think a two-all, a two-all draw could be a very good, a very good, uh, a very good bet because mm-hmm. I think it could end up as a draw because I think there's not, actually not not too much between the two the two teams. What could make a difference is that it's in Paris. Yeah. The atmosphere would be amazing. Uh, again, Monaco didn't play in Europe in midweek, which obviously would make them fresher and everything, but. Like you said, you've got some young players in that Monaco team, like like Kurzawa, like Ferrara Carrasco, like Ocampos. They, you know, they they won't be used to that kind of atmosphere, that kind of pressure, and everything. And I think that could make a difference with with on the other side a lot of experience, a lot of big players who have played big games and who have won big games for their previous clubs as well. So, um, yeah, PSG two two edge two one. Thanks for listening to the latest Sofa Football podcast with Julian Laurence. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SofaFootball and check out SofaFootball.com for all the latest news and features.